Good morning, St. Paul. I am honored to be here this morning. This is, uh, I think, number four. So third sermon, and then we did the, um, the adult form. So good morning, and uh, thank you for this opportunity from extended from the clergy here. I am Keisha Crum. I'm the lead organizer and executive director of Greater Cleveland Congregations. So St. Paul's Episcopal Church has been a founding member of GCC from the beginning. Reverend Lisa Hackney served on the executive team of GCC to help shape who we are as an organization. GCC developed relationships with Miles Park Elementary School to fight for books for kindergartners and after school programs because of the long relationship the St. Paul's member Nancy Sherwin and the leaders of Open Door had, sorry, Sherwin. Oh gosh, sorry, I, I got it right this morning. Sherwin, thank you. Um, let's see here. That's a very Baptist moment. <laughs> okay, let's see, here we are, okay. Um, because of uh, member Nancy Sherwin and the leaders of Open Door Academy, and which started right here at St. Paul's. So also St. Paul's hosted one of GCC's largest campaigns, launching the Cleveland Heights housing team that has had many wins in the city, especially in the noble neighborhood. GCC would not be who we are without the brilliance of Tom Noby, who helps to lead our communications and donor development, and leaders like Julie Micheletti, Amy Zip, and others, a part of the GCC core team. St. Paul's is a part of GCC and is really etched in our fabric, and we are better because of you. So this morning, I've been inspired to preach from a different scripture text than in the lectionary. Also, I grew up Baptist, and part of our tradition, we do a call and response. And so that means I'll say something and I'll ask you to respond. And so there'll be several times in the sermon where I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me. Is that okay? Oh, look, there you go, good. So I will be reading from the scripture this morning, Luke 18, one through eight, and it reads, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not become discouraged saying, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect any person. Now there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect any person, Yet, because this widow is bothering me, I will give her justice. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. The Lord said, listen to what this unrighteous judge said. Now, will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? 
and will he delay long for them? I tell you that he will bring about justice to them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The title of my sermon is, If We Want Justice, We Must Demand It. So in this text, we see that Jesus introduces us to four characters, the judge, the widow, the opponent, and God. So who was the judge? The judge was supposed to be God's representative administering justice to those in need. In 2 Chronicles 19, 6 through 7, we see as King Jehoshaphat appoints judges, he instructs them to consider carefully what you do, because you are not judging for man, but for the Lord. For the Lord our God, there is no injustice or partiality or bribery. Well, St. Paul, the judge in this text is not the judge that Jehoshaphat talked about. He's the opposite. He was a judge that did not fear God. He was a judge that didn't respect any person. He was a judge that did not respect the special needs of the poor and oppressed. He was a robber judge. He was corrupt. So St. Paul's, say with me, if you want justice, you must demand it. If you want justice, you must demand it. Who was the widow? Biblical scholars think that she was a young woman. Her husband died and left her alone. In biblical times, women were subjects to the males in their lives. Her husband's estate had been left open for other men to take it from her. She literally had no recourse but to get the robber judge to give her justice against her opponent who aimed to take what was hers, left to her by her husband. The unnamed opponent, who is without, without doubt some man who had status in the community and the ability to make an arrangement with the judge to get the widow's property. It was not uncommon for unscrupulous executives to leave the widows with nothing. These executors had status and resources to strike a deal with the judge regarding the estate of widow's dead husband. But in this story, we see that the widow refused to play by the rules of her society. Women were not supposed to be public about being cheated or robbed of their estate. We see that the widow could not bribe the judge like her opponent could. She couldn't compete in the backroom dealings and negotiations. So she refused to be silent. She took her case public in a culture where women had no or little voice. She turned up the heat and she kept demanding justice. In this moment in the story, we see that the widow had to make a choice. If she wanted justice, she had to demand it because the robber judge was not going to grant it to her. She was in a situation of life or death. Now, what would Jesus do? 
Or better yet, what would Jesus have us do? According to the biblical text, the widow kept coming to the robber judge saying, give me justice. She did not cower. She did not give in. She simply kept demanding justice. She would not, she could not take no for an answer. She organized a pressure campaign. She was gonna get justice or die trying. She came day in and day out saying to the robber judge, give me justice, avenge me. Maybe she did the first sit-in in history. She followed the robber judge on the street. She went to his house. She showed up in his courtroom. She confronted him in public where everyone could see. Now everyone in town knew about her case. Her continued demand for justice helped them ask the question, maybe she is being cheated. So St. Paul, say with me, if we want justice, we must demand it. Now, in this story, we see that justice won't come quickly. The text says that for a while, he was unwilling. He knew he was unwilling. So we know what it's like to wait for justice. But the waiting is not passive sitting. It's active, it's organizing. Dr. King reminds us that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. The moral arc is bent toward justice by the weight of consistent and persistent effort, organizing, intention, and struggle. History shows us in its archives, and we see that it took 246 years to end the practice of slavery in the United States. So St. Paul, say with me, if we want justice, we must demand it. GCC knows what it's like to want justice and to be active to try to get it. In 2021, the Cuyahoga County opened its first mental health crisis and addiction center. This took five years of work for GCC, five years of actions, five years of research, five years of pushing back on critiques and calls for GCC to stop, to back off. It took five years and GCC had to make tough decisions to withdraw petitions from the counterattacks that happened. This choice created a reaction from GCC's member organizations and outside the community. It reminds me of Randy Cummins' book, Democratizing Cleveland, where he talks about politics in this place as a blood sport. In 2018 and 2019, those were hard years for GCC. GCC had to reevaluate and retool. It became clear that justice was not gonna come swiftly or easily.
GCC got some bumps and bruises along the way, but it persisted. And in April 2021, GCC got justice for our community by getting the first ever crisis diversion center in this state. It's still here today. GCC continues to make sure there's funding and that families and the police are using the facility so that it provides a shelter for families. So St. Paul, say with me, if we want justice, we must demand it. The widow finally won. Jesus seemed to approve of what she did and even used her as an example about how to petition to our Father in heaven. But the question for us is this, what would Jesus want his own disciples to do to help this tenacious, sassy widow? And by extension, what would he want St. Paul's to do to help people in similar situations? There's five options to consider. One, pray for people suffering and injustice. Two, comfort them. Three, raise money or resources to help them ameliorate the efforts of injustice. Four, help them resolve their individual situation. And five, work to change the system that allows injustice to continue. Grappling with these options is the point and the work of Greater Cleveland Congregations. Jesus praised the strong, tenacious, sassy actions of the widow. We see throughout scripture of other examples like blind Bartimaeus, who called out for Jesus when the disciples tried to silence him, or the four friends who tore off the roof of the house to get their friend healed. Each case, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Jesus has a preference for tenacious, sassy faith. Jesus asked the question, however, when the Son of Man enter, returns, will he find this kind of faith? Will he find this kind of tenacious, sassy, widow kind of faith? This leads me to say, we are called to pray to our Heavenly Father like the tenacious, sassy widow, to never stop, to be relentless, to bring our request to God, to pray like our lives depend on it. And we would say in, or in GCC, to organize like our lives depend on it, because it does. In GCC, we see the work of organizing as our spiritual discipline of prayer, of action, of focus, of tenacity, and artful disrespect. God does not say when justice will come, but like the widow, he calls us to demand it until it comes. He calls us to be tenacious, sassy, in our prayer lives and our organizing lives. So St. Paul, Say with me, if we want justice, we must demand it. <laughs>